Every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. The only shooting stick with one-handed trigger pull adjustments has a new way to keep you at the top of your game. The Trigger Stick Apex. Built for sturdy support that adapts to unforgiving terrain with easy adjustments to make your big shots. With our Durasteady three-piece carbon leg design and interchangeable rock-solid clamp, nothing tops the Apex. The Trigger Stick Apex, only from Primo's. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Hi guys, it's Doc, and I've got a special treat for you this week. We're going to air Season 2, Episode 1 of our other podcast, Solitude, as an extra bonus episode this week. Jukebox and I co-host Solitude, which is the companion podcast to the History Channel's hit solo survival show, Alone. We'll drop a new episode each week of Solitude, where we break down the episode, give our analysis, fresh takes, power rankings, and predictions for the contestants. For those of you who may not be familiar... Alone drops 10 contestants out in the middle of the wilderness, remote from each other and anyone else, and they film themselves with the provided cameras. The person who stays out the longest wins $500,000. Judging from the first episode that aired on June 3rd, I think we are in for an epic season of bushcraft, survival, and suffering. I hope you enjoy it, and if you do, I encourage you to subscribe to Solitude and listen after you've watched the weekly episode on the History Channel. Embrace the suck. The John Freakin' Mearpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empowers outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance and durability enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident in. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. 
And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Whosoever is delighted in solitude is either a wild beast or a god. Aristotle. Welcome back to Solitude, the companion podcast to the History Channel's epic solo adventure show, Alone. I'm Doc, and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow adventure junkie, Jukebox. And we are excited to kick off the second season of the podcast and the eighth season of Alone. Today we're going to talk about Season 8, which is also uh, known as Grizzly Mountain. Episode 1, titled The Hunted, which came out on June 3rd, 2021. In this episode, we meet five contestants during days one through six, and I'm just going to say this right now. Spoiler alert. If you have not watched this episode of Alone yet, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back, because we are going to talk about everything. All right. Hey, and Jukebox, I, I guess I should let you talk a little bit here at the beginning. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. It's been a long wait of anticipation, and I have to say... Season eight, episode one delivered. I'm extremely excited to to get into this season. Yeah, I think it's going to be an outstanding season. And I just want to throw out there to our listeners that season seven is now on Netflix. Yes, and also if you're looking for a place to watch season eight, maybe you don't have cable. I feel like a lot of our listeners might be, you know, could they may have cut the cord, something like that, right? Um, if you download the History Channel app to your phone, you can watch Season 8 without having to log in or sign into anything. Yep, and if you have Netflix, watch Season 7. As you watch Season 7, take a listen to our Season 1 on Solitude as the uh, the companion podcast to keep keep uh, hear all of our predictions and, and keep up to date on, on what happened. And if you do listen to our first season, keep in mind that first episode might be a little lengthy. We were kind of getting the format down, so... Uh, don't be too. You could be critical if you'd like, but there's a there's a reason. It's not as fine tuned as we will be moving forward. And yeah, speaking of fine tuned and format, we're pretty we're pretty happy with the format we had. We kind of dialed in towards the the end of of season one, and we're going to use pretty much that same format for for season two. Right. So we're going to start episode one here with going over the background of the show, the rules of the show for our our viewers and listeners who may be new to alone. Um, and then we're going to talk about the geography of the location they're currently surviving in. Uh, and then after that, we're going to go through one-sentence summaries for each contestant. You know, these could be clever phrases or sentences. Uh, then we're going to go into our power rankings, correct? That's correct. And our power rankings include a top achiever and a struggle bus driver. Uh, we will talk about our turning points uh, in the show. So these could be important moments that, that really dictate the future of our contestants. And then we will also talk about moments you may have missed. Now these could be, you know, cutscenes, funny things that contestants say that you might want to go back and rewatch, maybe some images you, you missed in passing, maybe you're going to the restroom in the middle of the show. So they have commercials, but that's uh, that's besides the point. And then finally we will get our predictions for next week's episode. So we have something to look forward to. Very good. And Very- and if you do, sorry to interrupt, Doc, if you do have any suggestions or something you would like to see us do on the show, maybe another segment, feel free to recommend in the comments. We're, we're open to, to those suggestions. Yep. Outstanding points. My favorite section, my favorite segment is the moments you may have missed. Yeah. I like that as well. I feel like I, get, I have an opportunity to, to point out my observance, <laughs> my skills. <laughs> Your powers of observation? Yeah. Yep. And as I'm watching the show, I'm always looking for those little tidbits that uh, may may go by unnoticed. Yeah. And the way my brain works is with those moments you may have missed, and, and we'll deliberate on that a little bit later, is I get into these rabbit holes where I'll just dive into a Google search of a moment from the show and, and expand on that. So I have some of those for us today. Okay. 
So a quick background on the show. This is the eighth season of Alone. Uh, the show is, has they, the, the History Channel has tinkered with the format of the show uh, occasionally. So usually it's a it's an individual. It's ten individuals placed in isolated locations with no interaction with each other, and they are the they're filming each they're filming they have to film their own stuff. They bring their own cameras uh, provided by the show. There's no videographers out there. Uh, recording it's all them so they are they are completely alone and they are allowed to bring uh, 10 items from a pre-approved list of 40 um, they do have periodic health checks where uh, doctors will come out and take a look and see you know how they're doing physically if they are if they're if they have too low of a weight body mass uh, they can be pulled from the show. They want to make sure that uh, no one's going to get seriously injured out there. And then last year, in terms of, of tinkering with the format, last year they they offered an extra. Was it five hundred thousand? Was it a million dollar prize? I think it was a million dollar prize. So five hundred thousand dollars to the winner, and then an additional five hundred thousand if they stayed out for one hundred days. Right. And so they have they have gone back to the just the standard prize of, of five hundred thousand. Um, in the past, they've also. Uh, tinkered with the idea of pairs, where they 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 had uh, pairs of contestants, and they actually dropped one at the location where their camp was going to be, and then they dropped the other one off like ten miles away, and that person had to bushwhack uh, to find the camp, use their their navigation skills to find the camp, and then they they were out there uh, for as long as they could last. Um, current format, it's a it's a single individual out there, and really in my eyes. There are two big points. One is food. I think the people that tap out early are the ones who can't find food. Right. And the starvation, just uh, they can't handle it and they, they tap out. The other thing is if they're able to find food, if they're able to have sustenance out there, the people who tap out after that are the people who can't deal with the, the solitude and being alone because right. they are completely alone out there. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Um, Jukebox, why don't you tell us about this year's location because it's, it's different than the last two seasons. Right, so this location, uh, they are around Chilco Lake. So all seasons of Alone, they're around a body of water. Obviously, they need water. So they're going to be around a body of water. And that body of water this season is Chilco Lake. Now, I have a couple of different sources I got this information from. I want to get those out of the way right now so that way I'm not plagiarizing or stealing information. No accusations in the comments. Uh, I've received... This information I'm about to tell you from lakepedia.com, worldweatheronline.com, and britishcolumbia.com. Now, Chilco Lake is in British Columbia, which is in the the western portion uh, of North America, towards the top there. That's where this lake is located. Now, Chilco Lake is one of the largest lakes in the province of British Columbia, especially because of its great depth. Its main outflow, the Chilco River, contains the longest whitewater rapids in North America, which can be commercially navigated. Mount Good Hope with an elevation of 3,200 meters and Mount Queen Bess with an altitude of 3,200 meters as well are two of the most important peaks close to the lake. So if you see anything high, a peak up there, it's either going to be Mount Good Hope or Mount Queen Bess. Now, Chilco Lake is the largest and highest freshwater lake in North America. So it stretches nearly 60 miles long. And this lake is at an extreme level of elevation, correct, Doc? It's pretty high up there. That's correct. I think it's over 3,800 feet. Right. So it is at that level of altitude, it is the largest lake in North America. Um, the area surrounding the lake, I know we have some history fans out there, it's on the History Channel. The area surrounding the lake served as the backwoods maneuvering site for the Chilcotin War of 1864. The Zenai-Guetan people are said to have been descendants of the Classitan who initiated the war, still living in the lake basin. Keep in mind, when in the Chilco Lake region, however, that on June 26, 2014, the Supreme Court of Canada uh, granted the Silcotin Nation, a declaration of Aboriginal title. So, an Aboriginal title includes the right to exclusive use and occupation of the land, as well as the ability to determine the uses to which the land will be put. Now, I'm assuming this show had to get permission from these Aboriginal 
from this Aboriginal title. And I've read that one of the main reasons why they were granted this permission is because it's really going to showcase the beauty of the region and what it has to offer. Now, you might be curious, um, well, what is what should we expect in this season in terms of wildlife? So, the provincial park around Chilco Lake is mostly covered in Douglas fir forests on lower elevations and dry alpine vegetation on higher grounds. The animals, we have grizzly bears, wolverines, bald eagles, and mountain cats, some of those we've already seen that we'll talk about in episode one. They are the most frequently seen animals of the park. There are, however, a few ecological sensitive species, such as the California bighorn sheep. Choco Lake, the lake itself, plays host to the third largest Chinook and Sockeye salmon run in British Columbia from August through October. So October is when they start recording, right? So maybe not as much fish as we move forward in the show. Um, there is true trophy fishing here with rainbow trout as big as 22 pounds and Dolly Varden as large as 24 pounds. Choco Lake is also home to whitefish and bull trout. Various other streams and rivers feed the Chilco and Tassico systems and support whitefish. Now, lots of fish, trophy fishing, lots of animals. I believe the, this is one of the most densely populated grizzly bear areas in North America, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think they said there's over 200 grizzly bears in the area. Over 200 in the area around that lake. So that's a lot, and we've already seen some in episode one. Spoiler alert, you should have already paused and watched the episode. Now... This is what I would really like to get into. I'm excited to talk about the weather around Chilco Lake. What should we expect, right? So um, this is where I got from weatheronline.com. The show, I believe, starts filming in October, correct? I think so. And yes. and goes into November, December, and maybe January. Are they doing 100 days? It might be a little bit before October based on last season because I think I think the uh, the contestants last year as they were getting into 90 days 100 days it was close to uh, Christmas time okay so let's say October and November we'll primarily focus on those months so in October the max temperature at Choco Lake is going to be 8 degrees Celsius and the minimum temperature is gonna, it's going to get down to negative 3 okay so um, I don't know the Fahrenheit conversion there maybe we could pull that up but Eight degrees Celsius and anything negative three, you know that's going to be cold. Yeah, I think I think the conversion is damn cold. Yes, in Fahrenheit. Yeah. Now rain in October, the the rainfall and I tracked this from real data. It rained twenty five days in October, for a total of three hundred and fifteen millimeters of rain. Okay, the snow, it only snowed seven days in October, so that's maybe not a lot of snow in these first couple episodes, right? In November, however. It rained 14 days, but 463 millimeters, so a little more rain. It's, it's one of the rainier months. And the snow in November, it snowed 23 days Ooh, in November. So it's going to get cold about halfway through the season is what, is what we should be expecting uh, for a total of 211 centimeters of snow. Wow, I'm glad we went metric on this. Yeah. I, I really have no feel for how, how much that is. No, well, how much isn't 100 centimeters like three feet? No. I think it is. Isn't that a meter stick? Isn't it 100 centimeters is a meter stick? Ah, uh, wow. It is. I okay. think it is. All I right. think it is. So I'm going to default to you. That's okay. like six feet of snow. Well, just, just stay with me. If I'm wrong, let me know. <laughs> okay? And then December and January, obviously, those are the colder months. Um, and the rain, really, I mean, they're not going to get into January, but January was a lot of rainfall and, and a lot of snow. But November, so what we should be expecting moving forward, November is going to be cold and wet. Very cold and very wet. And that's all I've got for our uh, our background information on the geography. Wow, nicely Chilco done, Lake. Jukebox. That Thank was a, that was a deep dive. I felt like I was I was drinking out of a fire hose of Wikipedia there of information. I spoke too soon. There's one more tidbit of information that we need to know that I think is going to play a large factor in this season: the wind. Chilco Lake is very very windy. It's known for being uh, mostly sunny around there. But the wind is tortuous, apparently. And we've seen some previews for the following episodes about wind uh, destroying us, uh, destroying the contestants out there. So, going to be windy. I think it's going to play a big role, uh, especially in terms of the mental game out there. Wind is not fun to deal with. 
right? No, and we already saw a little bit of that with Tim. Tim and him trying to cast his line out into the lake. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So wind is going to play a factor. Yep, and slight uh, slight correction. I think you said that Chilco Lake was the largest lake in North America. I think it's the largest alpine lake in North America. I said of that elevation. Yeah, okay, very good, very good. All right, hey, so... Uh, before we get into uh, some of the, the finer details of this episode, let me just uh, go through some of the past winners of the previous seven seasons, and I'm going to go through according to how long they stayed out there. So last season, season seven, Roland Welker stayed out for 100 days. That was the longest time anyone's ever stayed out on a loan. And that's no surprise. He, he was probably the best contestant on the show ever. Yeah, I would say to be to be a candidate like Roland, you have to have two things. You have to have the skills, uh, the outdoor skills, the bushcrafting skills to, to make it work out there. And you also have to have a certain level of, I'm just going to say crazy. You, you, you have to have the right mindset. And he had both of those. He could have gone, he could have gone even longer. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, in terms of Roland's life back home, I don't remember him having a family. Is that correct? In terms of children or think, significant other, I think you're right. I think it, that's another good point. Is that if you have if you have something back home that is really calling out strongly to you, that's that's another thing to miss and has an impact on you know the quick availability of the of hitting the button out there. And, his his and timing for help. The timing in life of when you go on that show yeah. is a big deal because Roland's mother unfortunately had passed away. That's correct. Not that long before the show and mm-hmm. I think he a, a point of his to prove out there was I'm going to do this for you mom. Yeah. And so I think that that really motivated him to make it 100 days. Yeah. The next winner with the the next longest stay is Zachary Fowler from season 3. He was out there for 87 days. And then Jordan Jonas from season 6 was out 77 days. The Baird brothers, when they paired up, that uh, I was talking about how they, they paired up uh, contestants. The Baird brothers from season four, they were out there 75 days. And then uh, going continuing on in descending order, David McIntyre season two was 66 days. Sam Larson, winner of season five, was out there for 60 days. And Alan Kay, very memorable character because it was the first season of Alone. And we, we, it, everybody was kind of unsure as to how this was all going to play out. He was... He was out there for 56 days. And at that time, that seemed mind-boggling, like a long, long period of time. Right. Well, it's important to note this, Doc, that yes, season one was the shortest amount of days, which might be expected, but the rest of the seasons, there's no real order to that. It's not like season seven, six, five, four are all in a row. Like you would expect them to learn something from the show and everyone to be out there longer. That's not the case. It's just, it's a... It's a mixed bag, right? Right. Yep. I want to. I want to liken it to uh, the climbing of El Capitan in Yosemite. You know, th- at first they said it couldn't be climbed, right? And then I think it was Royal Robbins uh, eventually climbed it. It took him eighteen months to scale it. And then once they knew that that was possible, then the the time the timing you know decreased, decreased, decreased until now you got guys climbing it in a, in a matter of, of hours now. Yeah. And so now I think that now that they know that 100 days is possible, if they if you get two of the right contestants out there who refuse to tap out, I don't know. Maybe we see somebody go 120 days. Yeah, but you got to go psycho and shank a musk ox. Oh, yeah. Pull yeah. that we're, back to camp. We're gonna, yeah. So <laughs> if you could do that, yeah, maybe you make it 100 days. But Roland's unique. Yep. All right. Hey, let's take a look at this year's contestants. We've got 10 contestants. They range in age from age 29 to 48. There are seven males and three females. Eight of them, eight of the ten are from the U.S. One is from the U.S. Virgin Islands, and one is from the U.K. in England. So, Doc, is this? I'm I'm really hoping, and we were close last season. Um, with remind me of her name. Was it Carly? What was the female contestant's name? I remember her as Gumby. Remember our. Our clay, our, yes. our clay contestant who found the clay, yes, and, and made those pots there. Kylie, 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 Kylan, 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 Kylan. Yeah, no, but that wasn't her. There was another one. Okay, we're forgetting the names. That's okay. But um, Callie, Callie. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so I was close. Carly, Callie. Yep. Callie, if you're listening, forgive me. Um, I'm really hoping we get a female winner this season because there's never been a female winner 
on the show alone. So mm-hmm. I'm really pulling that we out of these three females that we have that we get some strong some strong candidates where everything kind of falls in place. Yeah, and I just want to point out as we went through the the longest stays by winners out there and Roland went a hundred. The person who went the next longest was Callie. She went 90 days, and she only got pulled because of frostbite on her toes. That's right. Yep. She could have... She would have made it 100 days abs- as well. Absolutely. She was she was thriving out there besides the frostbite. Yep. That's right. Okay. Hey, let's dive into our first segment. And these are uh, one-sentence summaries for each contestant appearing in the episode. And we're going to go in the order in which they appeared on the show. So we'll start with Tim. We'll start with Tim. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Tim from Wyoming. My phrase for Tim in episode one is pre-existing condition. That's my phrase. Oh, hey. I like that. I see what you did there. Pre-existing condition. And that refers to? That refers to Tim suffered a heart attack six years prior to the Mm -hmm. show. Um, Spoiler alert. Uh, Unfortunately, that ends up being the reason why. He has to tap out yeah. in episode one. It yep. is a pre-existing condition with his heart. Uh, pretty tough to see someone who really wants to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, with something as serious as chest pains and, and uh, a previous journey with a heart attack, he, mm-hmm. he needed to, I think he made the right decision. It was just unfortunate to see. Yeah, and before I get to my summary or my sentence, I just want to say that any discussion we have of contestants on this on this show, I just want everybody to understand that we have the utmost respect and awe for each of the contestants. It takes a lot of guts to get out there, no matter how long they stay. Now we may we may joke around and we may say, say some stuff, and it's no no disrespect intended. Uh, again, they they they've got the what it takes to to even get that far and get onto the show. So, all right, Tim was the oldest contestant, age forty eight. Okay, yep. And my my sentence for him is actually one a quote from him. He actually said the summary for me. He said, the suck is definitely coming. That's good. Do you remember that? The suck is definitely coming. That's almost it, a JFM pod plug. That's right. That's right. Uh, what, what's the JFM pod? The John Freaking Muir podcast. Very good. Any of our Solitude listeners out there want to hear more from Jukebox and Doc, we've got another podcast called the John Freaking Muir pod where we talk to uh, adventurers of all tw- of all types. I'm featured on a few of the, the most listened to episodes probably. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some more on Tim. So... Yours was the suck is definitely coming. Yes. And then mine was pre-existing condition. So Tim, the one thing that I really thought Tim did a great job of in episode one was his shelter. The log cabin looked good. Agreed. I thought that was a very promising start. I was like impressed with how quickly he got it up. It sort of reminded me of Roland's Rock House a bit where it's going to take a lot of heavy moving at first, but... If you can get it up and get your food, you're set up for success. I don't know. I thought it looked good. Yeah, I think it was probably one of the best shelters in that short a span right off the bat uh, that I've seen on, on a loan. Even, even Roland's Rock House in Season 7, I mean, that, that took a little while to, to get finalized. I think he, uh, Tim had a pretty good, pretty good shelter in the first couple of days there. Yeah, and Tim was trying to throw rocks to, to hit, was it a grouse in the tree or That's a right. squirrel? He was trying... It reminded me of Joe That's from right. season seven. You beat me to it. No bow Joe. No bow Joe. Knocking squirrels out of trees with rocks. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't so successful for, for Tim. But here I have to I have to say though that, that Tim prioritized shelter building over finding food. Because he he uh spent a lot of time and energy on that shelter right off the bat and not a lot of time looking looking for food. And I wonder if that had an impact. Well let's talk about that. In my opinion, I understand the logic behind building your shelter first. Especially if there are grizzlies out there. Especially if there's grizzlies out there because you have somewhere you feel safe, somewhere you can rest and relax, uh, and maybe that might put you in a better mind frame when you decide, hey, I need food. Mm-hmm. Versus if you're looking for food, you come up empty-handed, and you're like, I don't even have a shelter to go back to. I, I think building shelter first might be the way to go. Okay. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. That's right. kind of my thinking behind it. That, that's a fair point. That, that makes sense. I mean, at least he had something, right? He had right. a shelter. He had something to mm-hmm. go to. He, he's like, I got somewhere to sleep mm-hmm. rather than just sleeping under a tarp. Right. But did he expend so much energy and so many calories that when it did come time for trying to get some food that he was just not up for the task? I don't know. 
I don't know. He did say he was hungry. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. And he he uh, he fashioned himself a, a a lure right from the end of his toothbrush. Yes, which I thought was smart to bring an item on that he he was thinking ahead. Yeah, that was. was a smart play. He was, but the only problem was he couldn't get that lure in the water. The wind. It was too much. The wind. The wind was too much. Okay. Should we move on to our second contestant? Clay. Clay. Clay from Idaho. Okay. Correct. Age, age 39. Age 39. And I think Clay's a very strong contestant so far this season. I would agree with that. My phrase or sentence for Clay, whichever you would like to call it, is gourmet dinner, mushroom, and grouse. So... I'll let you go. You go first. Then we'll okay. talk about Clay. Okay. So mine is along similar lines in terms of food. I say uh, fowl, fish, and almost a big cat. True. True. That's good. So Clay from Idaho immediately starts foraging some mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. These bolete, bolete mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of our squirrel mushroom poacher from last season. Who was it? Was that? Who was? It was Callie. It was Callie yeah. who was stealing the mushrooms from the squirrels who were trying to get them ready for hibernation. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that squirrel made it through hibernation because all the mushrooms. No, I had were no taken. mushrooms. So you know, I already had a good knowledge of the land, what what plants. He even talked about that. He says, "I need to know what what's good out here, what I can eat." Um, Clay has a focus on primitive and traditional archery, so he's pretty good with a bow. Right, right off the bat, killed that grouse, no problem. Right. Yep. Um. Also with Clay, we didn't mention this at the beginning. Notice they gave every contestant bear spray because of the dense grizzly bear population. Mm-hmm. So that's an extra item that they all have is bear spray, right? Right. Uh, and then we see Clay's encounter with a mountain lion, which is wh- which is why season one or season eight got off to such a promising start. I mean, right off the bat, we have a mountain lion probably twenty yards away. Right. And he he was he was intending to try and shoot that mountain lion with his with his bow. He just couldn't get to his bow quick enough. I mean, do, what what does mountain lion taste like? Do you think he was he was killing it? He was, he was attempting to kill it to for food. I think anything you kill out there, you probably got to eat. Yeah, that might be in the fishing and game rules. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, he was going to eat it. And that's that. I think also gives us some insight into uh, Clay's state of mind. That's that's a little bit crazy. I think. Yeah, well, Idaho, I mean, he's into archery. He's been out there hunting. He's probably mm-hmm. seen the the worst of the worst up there mm-hmm. in terms of predators. Uh, not scared. Clay is not scared. He even said something. I'm not going to let things that scare me control what I do mm-hmm. out here. So I really think Clay's off to a great start. Now, we've been deceived before where we see these strong starts and yeah. and, and stuff happens out there. Uh, but so far, Clay's looking good. Yeah. Built the fishing rod. He's got the right skills, right? He's 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 uh, he, he's skills and knowledge. He maintains a separate cook site because he doesn't want the uh, grizzlies near his campsite sniffing around where he, he prepares his food. He uh, great with the bow. He builds the the rod and reel and catches a fish yeah. with it. I mean that was pretty impressive. A great quote from Clay, and this might be a preview for what's to happen with Clay. I don't know, but he said. Solitude is not something I'm accustomed to. Yes, I wrote that down as well. Yeah. You beat me to it. I beat you to it. Um, we talked about uh, food being important and and not starving out there, but also the the feeling of isolation and being called back to uh, to your you know where you're from and and dealing with those feelings. And I thought that was kind of a telling phrase. I wrote it down because even if he's so if he's got these skills and he's he's got a lot of food. He said solitude is not something I'm accustomed to, right? Which is interesting. I, I mean, I think Clay's got all the skills. we got to see if he's got the skills up there to, to mm-hmm. stay strong and, and just remember why why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we go on to the third contestant? Matt. Matt, yep. From the United States Virgin Islands. Yes. Matt. Matt's an interesting dude. 42. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's, your, what's your sentence for him? My sentence, my phrase is very short. It's making friends. Okay, I Making like that. Making friends for a couple of reasons. We'll get into that. I like What's that. Sentence? I like that. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play off that as well. My sentence is, Wilson? No. I've got Chad, Jorge, Gary, and Gordo. 
Okay, so I'm glad I heard Gordo because I put Gary and someone else. I couldn't make out the other name that he had named his GoPro. So for those of you wondering, what are they talking about? So Chad is Matt's main camera. Jorge is Matt's smaller camera. And then the GoPros are named Gary and Gordo. So Matt is making friends out there. And I also put making friends because Matt runs into some grizzly bears. He's already making friends with some grizzly bears down there. Keep moving, mom. Keep moving, mama. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, Stood his ground. Matt doesn't seem, right off the bat, Matt doesn't seem like a guy who's scared of much. I mean, he he watched a mama and the cubs go by and didn't didn't move. So that was interesting. Uh, Matt also brought up a good point or a phrase that I've not heard before called drop shock. That's right. Did you take note of that? I did. Drop shock. Drop shock. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about dropping your phone. No, no. Talking about the shock of being dropped off out there and alone, right? The mm-hmm. immediate, like, oh, wow, I'm out here. So Matt said that was a popular term um, from this show, I believe, right? He was talking mm-hmm. about this show right. specifically. Right. And Matt has a specialty in primitive fire making. Mm-hmm. He said that that was a skill uh, that he believes really going to benefit him because he got an extra item out there. That's right. He didn't bring a fire starter. Right. He's just going to make fire on his own, and he did so successfully with uh, with a bow and string. Did he do it out there? Yeah. Okay. The one thing I worry about with Matt and the primitive fire making, and we're not experts, but this is just my speculation, is that is Matt used to making primitive fires in a climate like Chilco Lake? Right. You know, it's one thing to make it where he's from in the Virgin Islands. It's a different climate. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's going to play a factor. I don't know. But maybe they didn't show us. Maybe Matt's practiced this before and he's confident in his mm-hmm. ability to make it out there regardless of the conditions. Well, you mentioned you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the amount of rain and snow in October and November. And with, with wet fuel, I wonder how that plays out. So I wonder if he, can, if he can just maintain that fire and keep it going throughout. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to our... Well, a couple things more about Matt is um, he lived, he said he lived in a primitive shelter for seven years. Wow, I missed that. That's yeah. a moment I missed. Yeah, a moment you missed. Yeah. And so I think, you know, if you're out in a primitive shelter for, for seven years, I mean, you're not you're not going to have that uh, hankering for all the, the creature comforts of the 21st century. You know, maybe that helps him with that mindset of being out there alone for an extended period of time. Now, if I was to say... There was a contestant in episode one that really striked me as not going to have an issue with that mental warfare of being out there alone. I think it's Matt. Mm-hmm. He seems prepared. Yeah. He, he Another great quote from him that kind of reveals um, more about his perspective is he says, my expectations are always higher than my ability. Okay. And so he has he, he's very confident in what he's able to do, and uh, sometimes he will struggle to reach that you know what he thinks he can do but he's always i think that drives him to improve and so over the the course of his time out in the wilderness um he's he's been able to build these skills and i think he's he's got a great set of skills and a great mindset to help him in this game yeah i agree okay let's go on to Biko. Biko from oregon maybe the most interesting character and the youngest and the youngest how old is Biko? 29 29 okay so Biko from oregon my sentence for Biko is five pound, five pounds down, ninety five to go. Okay, I'll elaborate on that after yours. Yeah. Okay. I think you're gonna like mine. Okay. Mine is slurping, singing, shaping, and spit lube. Okay. Yeah, a lot of those <laughs> things all involved with Biko. So I believe Biko. I, I crafted my sentence because Biko said. I'm going to lose 100 pounds out here. Mm-hmm. Did he not say that? I think he did. He did. He came in He came in with the weight. He, he's, he's got an extra coat there to, to burn through. He's ready. He's ready to, to burn down those pounds. I'm just assuming he lost five pounds already by this mm-hmm. point, right? So that's why I have 95 to go. Biko seems like, despite his age, a hardened individual who's ready. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, just off his... His ingenuity out there, his experience living in a in a rainy climate in Oregon, I think he's I think he's going to go far. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's I think he's got a lot working for him. Mm-hmm. And the opening scene with him is he's slurping water off of his tarp. You know, it rained the night before. There's a pool of water uh, on his tarp filled with you know pine needles and whatever else, and he's he's slurping it out. And he says, uh, "I just strained the grit out through my teeth." 
Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> that's woodsy. That's woodsy. Very that's good. That's woodsy. Rolling. Uh, Biko is in a pagan folk and metal band as well. So I have a feeling we're going to get some songs out there. Oh, yeah. Did you hear him already? Yeah. I mean, was, he's good. He's talented. He sounded like Mark Wahlberg uh, auditioning for Steel Dragon. Okay. That that long yeah. kind of yeah. wail at the end there. Yes. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That's a reference to the 2001 movie Rockstar, if you haven't seen that. so Yes. And Biko brought overalls out there so we can thank him in advance. We don't have to see his butt crack, he said. <laughs> that's right. He used another word, but I say butt for the sake <laughs> of not cursing. But he said that's why he brought the overalls out there. And we also get to see some of his forging not foraging, but forging skills. Forging. So I had a comment about the forging. Mm-hmm. A knife out of that nail. Yeah. A lot of energy. I know forging's not easy. It's a lot of hammering away and bending and and strength required. So uh, I don't know if the payoff's going to be worth it or not. True. And we didn't see him eating any food. I don't remember him uh, eating anything during this episode. Yeah, maybe maybe it's not as much energy as I anticipated, but... Uh, another show that I watched, Forged in Fire. Mm-hmm. I know that forging takes a lot out of you. Yeah. So, we'll see. Okay. And uh, he, he kind of did an homage to Roland Welker, talking about uh, using it as a prison shank, or he's going to prison shank a muskox. Yeah. Oh, also, a couple things before we move on from Biko. Biko, also, I said a lot working for him. A quote from Biko out there so far is, this is my job now. So the mentality, you like to hear that early mm-hmm. on, right? This is my job. This is what, this is making me money. This is my job. I feel like that's a mental edge yeah. to have. You remember the comment on spit lube? No. Well, I, I sort of, I remember spit lube being mentioned. Yeah. So you can't bring jewelry out there, evidently. Didn't know that. He had a nose ring, like a bull ring through his nose right. that he couldn't couldn't bring, but he doesn't want the hole to close up. So he found a, a piece of bone that he has uh, shaped, uh, you know, kind of pared down a little bit and needed some spit lube to get it through that hole in his nose. So now he's got a bone in his nose, which looks pretty pretty uh, impressive. Right, right. Um, yeah, the bone nose ring. Filed mm-hmm. down, spit lube through. Yep. All right, last contestant we saw this episode, Rose. Rose from Pennsylvania. Our first female contestant we've seen this season. Our first female Rose. My sentence for Rose is... Fructose intolerance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, very appropriate. Rose is 43. And my my sentence is actually a quote from Mike Tyson. Okay. And it is, everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. Okay. So, Rose from Pennsylvania. Fierce background in hunting, fishing, and trapping. Yeah, extensive background, yeah. Extensive, and she currently works at a retail sporting goods store where she trains. She owns and operates it. She owns and operates it, and she she has survival training Mm -hmm. courses, correct? Yep, correct. And she has a skill set in predator hunting specifically. Yeah, she was talking about the, was it called the Super Slam? I'm not sure. Super Slam, where I guess it's, it's, uh, Super Slam is if you hunt and bag uh, the 29 big animals of North America. Wow. And so I don't, I don't know if she says that she is currently you know, on a quest to complete the Super Slam or if she has completed the Super Slam. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, now despite Rose's setbacks that we'll talk about in a moment, uh, I think Rose made a very smart deci- decision with the A-frame shelter. She's anticipating the problems of the wind and she's accounting for them. She's saying, here's what I can do to combat that, which I think is very smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the A-frame keeps the, keeps the snow from accumulating on top as well. Right. Uh, now, my phrase, fructose intolerance, uh, came about as a result of her eating too much fruit on that, what was it, first couple days? And mm-hmm. she was struggling at night. I think some vomit, right? Mm-hmm. Stomach having problems with with uh, too much fruit. I've had that happen to myself. I wasn't out there trying to survive. I just ate too many blueberries in one sitting. But I <laughs> While you're on the couch? Yeah, no, it was tough. It really hurt, though. It's a serious pain, so be careful with your fruit intake out there. I'm not even joking. It's, it's funny to laugh about, but it's true. I am always looking for quotes from the contestants that reveal 
some of their inner thinking and their their what their mindset is. And so I had there was a couple that she mentioned that really kind of stood out to me. One is she said that I've always been the hunter and not the hunted. And so that kind of uh, reveals to me there may be a little self-doubt there. I mean, there's some big predators out there. The grizzlies are out there, and she may be thinking about this. But it could also be maybe a vote of confidence for herself. What if she's saying, I'm always the hunter, not the hunted? Or she could say, I've always been the hunter, Mm -hmm. not the hunted. It depends on how she said it, right? Yeah, I guess so. We need context. We need context. And then the other quote, uh, after she was struggling with the the berry issue, she actually asked the question, can I do this? Wow. So that... uh, You don't like to hear that from a contestant you're pulling for. Episode one. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Hey, should we move to our next segment, which is the three turning points or insights or crucial moments of the episode? Yeah. Kind of see what, what were the big moments that impacted the, the direction for some of our contestants. So just because we're on the topic of Rose, last contestant we discussed, I, one of my turning points is Rose's rough night with yeah. the fruit. I think that was a turning point. Yeah, agreed. I got Rose and the berries as one of mine. So Yeah, for the reasons we've, we've, we've mentioned already. Yep. All right. Second turning point for me is Clay catching the fish. I think Clay, using that rod and reel he crafted and catching that fish... Um, that's a big moment because if you can fish out there, you got a big old lake with a lot of fish. Uh, so catching fish just early on, I think, is a is a big bonus. I think that's a it's a major uh, major confidence booster at this point in the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, I may have been mistaken on my second one. Did did Matt also catch a grouse and fish? I don't have anything written down for that. I just went back again and looked, and I don't either. So I think I, I my turning point, uh, I was going to apply it to Matt. Um, I'm going to have to split this up because I got, I've got i got the two confused. So I'm going to say uh, turning point was uh, for Clay was the, the fish and the grouse um, and strong, strong food game off the bat. But also uh, I have in here about Matt and his, his living in a primitive shelter for seven years, I think is... is it's not a key moment that happened during the episode, but I think it's a key piece of background information that, that may bode very well for Matt. Yeah, and then my final turning point, and this I don't I don't know whether this is good or bad or which way the, the ship is turning on mm-hmm. this, but Biko's forging. Uh, I think the first thing is a testament to his his resourcefulness out there to find that nail and make something out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh and who knows? Maybe, maybe he, his homage to Roland of stabbing the musk ox. Maybe something's going to come true with that with okay. that forged weapon. I don't know. That was just a turning point for me. I think. Okay. And this might my, my last one is probably going to be a little controversial in your eyes, but I go back to Tim and his decision of of spending so much energy and time on the shelter. Okay. Over food, I think it may have had an impact on how well he was able to uh, uh, acquire food. Because he already spent so much energy, and then that may have, in turn, with a lack of food, uh, may have induced his his anxiety attack slash chest pains, right. which caused him to tap out. Right. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Okay. Now let's uh, before we get to our, our power rankings and the top achiever and who's driving the struggle bus, I want I want to do moments that you mo- you may have missed. Moments you may have missed. So my first one, extremely excited about. Matt gets dropped off okay. around Choco Lake, right? And what does Matt see, Doc? Do you remember what Matt sees right off the bat in the lake? Yes, yes, A I do. A moose is swimming in the lake. Yeah. And you might be wondering, this moose is swimming in the lake. Aren't mooses huge and large and heavy? How are they swimming? Yes, moose can swim. Now, you might be wondering, how far can they swim? Moose can swim, actually, several miles at a time. Which is impressive. It's very impressive mm-hmm. to think of an animal that big swimming for several miles. Now, something you might not know about moose, they can also dive underwater. They can dive underwater as deep as 20 feet. No way. Yes way. 20 feet. Apparently, their nose valve, their, their nostrils serve as valves to keep the water out as they dive underwater. Now, why would a moose dive underwater? What, I, what are they diving for? I have no idea. But that is... That is evolution, natural selection at its finest. Whatever the moose is diving for, I bet you would rather be a moose who can dive rather than one who can't dive. So that brings up an interesting point because I was going to make a snarky comment about 
you know, moose in 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 Alaska in Denali, they they are the more deadly animal than the grizzly bear. More people die from moose attacks each year in Alaska than from grizzly bear attacks. And so you don't want to meet a moose on its home turf. My snarky comment was going to be, hey, if they're in the water, they're they're out of their element. You should you should take them on. But if they're diving twenty feet, I'm not sure I'd want to be in the water with a moose. Yeah, moral of the story: don't f with a moose. Yeah, true, absolutely true. All right. Here's my first moment you may have missed. Rose brought a plate with her. Yes, she did. <laughs> I said that to myself. I said, that's an item? That's a comfort item, is it not? Yeah, is that, is that one of the 10 items from the 40? I'm not sure I would have used a plate. I think I used a piece of bark out there as a plate. And there, I mean, you can't, there's no way she was able to get away with grouping that plate with like a kitchen set, right? Like that can't be one item. That's they can't group a pot, a pan, a plate, and a fork as one item. Right? I was going to ask what your kitchen set com- is composed of. Yeah, I don't know, but the plate was interesting. I feel like most contestants would bring a pot out there, eat out of the pot. Yeah, because it serves as a, a cooking utensil as well. Yeah, it was not the lid of a pot. It was an actual plate. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What else do you have? My. Only other moment you may have missed has to do with Rose. Rose, I said Rose's reptiles. Did you see the photos of her with the alligator and the python when they were introducing her? I said Rose has some experience with some reptiles, which is pretty freaky. I mean, I don't like reptiles at all. So I'm guessing that her reptile experience is not going to come into play. No, it won't be. Season. It won't come into play there. But but that was a moment you may have missed. Rose is reptiles. Okay. I my next one is. Did you notice when Clay shot that grouse, the speed of his shot? He basically pulled his bow up, pulled the string back, and let it fly. Yep. I mean, it was instantaneous. No no wasted time at all. And he he hit a grouse from I don't know how how far away. It was but, far. It was like thirty yards. I feel like. Yeah. And so if he's it got, was through the brush too. If he's got those kind of bow skills, watch out. No, I I agree. When I saw him do that. How quickly it all happened, I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple more. Uh, the the knife that Biko made, do you remember what he named it? Mm, I do not. The Troll Shiv. Oh, the Troll Shiv. That's right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. The Troll Shiv. Yep. And then, did you notice that uh, the medical responder and the end of episode interviewer was Nikki from season six? Right. Yes, I do remember Which that. is interesting. Yeah. I think it's cool that they have uh, former contestants come back and play a role sometimes. You know, Alan Kay, season one winner, he, he did some of the voiceover, I think, for season two and season three. So is there no show afterwards like they did last season with Colby Donaldson? I did not see any after show. Neither did I. I kind of like the after show. Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe it gave away too much because mm-hmm. at some points it was a little revealing, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. All right, so let's see. Who do you have as your top achiever of the episode? My top achiever of Season 8, Episode 1 is Clay. Should be no surprise I've been talking a lot about Clay. I think he just got a lot moving in the right direction. Obviously, it's all subject to change, but right now I think Clay is the top achiever. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. He's eating well. He's got uh, the right skill sets, and uh, he also is not afraid of the large game out there. I mean, he actually tried to tree the mountain lion so he could uh, hunt it down. Right. Now, struggle bus driver is, are we excluding contestants who have tapped out? Or are we including them if they were in the episode? So I included, I I said it's Tim, obviously, but it's also Rose. Right, okay. So so it would be Tim if we're counting contestants who have already tapped out. If it was not, I think Rose is... Uh, is right there with him. Yep. Close. We'll see. But the the problem is with something like Rose, remember last season with Kylan, right? That's how you pronounce it, correct? Right. There were some times where we were like, oh, she's done. And then she would last 25 more days. Right. Before another incident like that. So just because you're close to tapping out, whether it's luck or resourcefulness or the way the nature works that day, it can change very quickly in this show. That's right. Absolutely correct. And so power rankings, I think we're going to be pretty closely aligned because we're only talking about five contestants at this point. We've only seen five. We know who's at the bottom. Right. Right. We know from our from our top performer, we know who's at the top. So we're really sorting out two names here. Right. So I'm interested to hear what, what you have. 
I have Clay as number one. Okay, he's eating well. Number two, I have Matt. Okay, very good. Number three, I have Biko, and then I have Rose and Tim. Yeah, and so my, my I agree with you wholeheartedly there. I've got uh, Clay's eating well. Matt has got the background and the skills. Biko, I say, does he have the right level of crazy? Right. Right? The right, that was, the right mentality. My question of it was, who would I trust more at this point, Matt or Biko? And I think I trust Matt a little bit more mm-hmm. in terms of the power rankings. But Biko, he, wild card, we don't know. And I, I, I think he's going to do really well. I, like, I personally think so. I like that. Wild card. That might even be a new segment. Wild card. of Who's the wild card? Yeah, who's, who's okay. the wild card? Very good. All right. Did you see uh, uh, what we... They kind of showed highlights from the entire season, not necessarily next week. So I know next week we're going to see the other five contestants, get okay. to know them. Right. Maybe we'll get some updates on uh, on some of the ones we just saw. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But did you see what, what the season preview had in store i did not i did not before we get into that doc i just had something i need to say before i forget okay i have a suggestion for our season moving forward with our episodes a new segment okay and it's an homage to roland i know we talk about roland a lot i think we need to have a woodsy award of the week oh so we need to find the woodsiest moment from each episode and we have a nomination nice I think that's good, right? I like it. Okay, so okay. I... Woodsiest moment. What's um, I have a recommendation. Okay. My woodsy moment uh, would be Biko's nose ring, the bone nose ring. I think that's pretty woodsy. I don't know. Is that is that more so strange than woodsy? I think it's woodsy. I but think it's woodsy. I'm going to propose another woodsy, woodsiest moment. Okay. And that's again with Biko. It's Biko slurping the water, pine needles and all, no, that's, right, that's right, right off of the top tarp. I think that's the woodsy moment. That's of the pretty week. woodsy. Yeah. So woodsy moment of the week or woodsy what? I, let's call it woodsy woodsy moment of the week. Okay, the woodsiest moment of the week. Okay. Yep. All right. Very okay. good. I like it. I like it. We're gonna include that. All right. So what I saw in the the season eight uh, preview moments that they're 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 highlighting, saw a lot of bears. Yes. A lot of grizzlies. So interesting to see how that's going to play out. Somebody suffers a shin injury because there's blood streaming down their leg. That's not good. Not a lot of fat on the on the shin. I mean, that's a painful spot. Right now, it's pretty exposed. Yep. I saw somebody doing some actual rock climbing. I mean, they they look like he was scaling a, a he or she was scaling a, a a rock wall of some sort, which could be dangerous. Yeah, not advised out there. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think we, I, don't, I don't think they brought their crash pads. I mean, we see contestants who are thinking about should I walk down this path to the beach? It's kind of slippery. We got someone rock climbing. Yeah, I don't know. Yikes! And then somebody is uh, using a saw on a small tree, and then you hear that person yelp out in pain. So there's a saw accident in the future. So what? How interesting would that be if one of the contestants we find out next week is like? specializes in rock climbing would that even be applicable but i mean if so i'm starting to think it might be because if you're rock climbing he'd go to the top of mount good hope right was it good hope good hope something like that yeah okay and then also saw a lot of previews of snow and cold so So we we said expect that november it's going to be cold it's going to be wet it's going to be snowy yep i'm interested to hear what your bold prediction is me i'm ready to share it okay let's hear it my bold prediction for next week, I believe there's going to be another grizzly encounter. Now, you might be thinking jukebox. It's not really a bold prediction. It's a dense population. There's 200 of them out there. Right. A grizzly encounter that is closer than what Matt experienced in episode one. Now, if you remember, Matt was pretty close to those grizzly bears. I think we might get someone who's a little bit closer. So within that 20-yard range, I think we're going to have a grizzly encounter. Are you predicting we're going to see the use of the bear spray? I didn't go that far. Okay. But that might that might be a prediction. Okay. Since they didn't show anything for next episode particularly, and I'm not sure about the other contestants, I did a bold prediction for the whole show. Okay. Okay, so here's my bold prediction. I think the winner is in the group of contestants we saw in episode one. Okay. So either Biko, Rose, Matt, or Clay. Yep. That's my prediction. My bold prediction for the show. We'll see how that plays out. I think that's... I think... You know what? I think that's a very... I think that's a good prediction. I don't want to sell the other contestants short, but I, you know, from what I saw, 
I was pretty impressed with some of those contestants. Yeah, listeners, hold them accountable. After we watch next week, don't let them come in and, and glorify and flaunt all these new contestants we just saw. Well, what would your bold prediction be for next week, then? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have a bold prediction for next week. I mean, anything I pick at this point would just be... I don't think it would be that bold, so... So is our segment bold prediction of the week or just bold prediction? It's just my, I just have this bold prediction. Okay. All right. Fine. That could be anything then. Yeah. All right. Well, at least this early in the game. Okay. That's fair. We're, we're operating with a limited amount of information at this point. Yeah. Very true. Okay. It's also, I, I said Grizzly Encounter. I tried to keep it generic because you can't really make predictions about specific contestants yet because we're not going to see these first four next week probably. Right. They're going to spend all the time on the, the next five contestants. Probably. Yep. So. Yep. All right. Well, hey, it's time to wrap things up for this episode. Uh, I think we're in for an epic season of bushcraft, survival, and suffering. What do you think, Jukebox? <laughs> yes, I think a lot of suffering. I think we're going to see some bushcraft, but they're going to focus on the suffering. Okay. So Doc and Jukebox are pushing the button and tapping out for now. Jukebox, take us out. We're born alone. We live alone. We die alone. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Waypoint TV and LG channels in celebrating Great Outdoors Month. Presented by Battery Tender. Tune in every Tuesday and Sunday in June starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Channel 109 on your LG Smart TV. You can also watch Waypoint TV at lgchannels.com.